Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Good morning, San Marcos, Texas. This is your Monday edition of Bobcat Radio here in beautiful San Marcos, Texas. And we got a good show for you guys today. I'm your host, Kobe Jackson. And with me on the boards is my beautiful producer, Orlando Smart, and my wonderful co-host, Joey Gonzalez. We got a good one for you today. We're going to be re- recapping Texas State sports, softball, and baseball, play the co- another conference series. Also, NCAA March Madness as we have our and also NFL free agency as we have some breaking news to share with you this morning. But before we get into all of that, let's go with the Joey Gonzalez for a word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks Restaurant Sports Bar is a sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio. Located on northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks eats, drinks, scenic views. Thank you, Joey. So let's go ahead and get right into it as we are going to get into Texas State baseball as they played a tough, tough series against the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers as they unfortunately suffered two losses on the series and eventually won the last game of the series, recording their first win ever against Coastal Carolina in uh, spring in Conway, South Carolina. So let's go and recap this. First game was on Friday. Unfortunately, they suffered a huge loss with a final score of 19 to zero. That's right. I said 19 to zero. So the Bobcats didn't get anything on the board and the Sean declares were all over things. And then Saturday, they had a doubleheader on Saturday. So they've been play Sunday. The first matchup on Saturday, final score was 13 to six. So a little bit of a rebound, but still a loss. And then they rebound totally the final game. On Saturday with final score of 10 to 8. So the Bobcats go one and two on the series. So I mean, I'm gonna throw it to you guys. What did you guys see from this baseball team? I mean, that's a pretty devastating weekend if you look at it that way. Um, there are some bright spots, including their first win in Conway, as Kobe just mentioned. Um Levi Wells, though, his first Friday start since coming off that injury, and he only went one inning and he gave up six hits, eight runs, seven of those were earned. Not the greatest um, outing there on Friday night, but, I mean, once again, if you try to look at the positive side, they were to get that 10-8 victory. And, Orlando, I think you would just view this as a just kind of you look at it as a tough loss and then you just have to find a way to rebound because if not, if you dwell on this for too long, it affects you long-term. You just, you just leave that in the past and it's time to move on. Yeah, I definitely agree. This is one of those, like, burn-the-tape kind of series. <laughs> They uh they were outscored forty to sixteen uh, throughout the entire weekend, so that's definitely something that's definitely not something that the the Bobcats want to dwell on. I mean, just moving forward. I mean, I mean, just even looking back, going into this game, we kind of talked about it before, and we saw one thing I said specifically that was that Coastal Carolina was a team that had put up a lot of runs in their in their previous games. Like, they had a game where they 26 runs. They had games with 16 runs, 12 runs, 16 runs again. And so I said that the Bobcats were going to have to be on, on high alert because this was a team that could put points up on the board. And, I mean, that's exactly what they did. So just moving on, moving forward, they, like you said, Joey, they just need to kind of not dwell on it, move forward, not get too down on themselves and – just try to rally back against this next game they have against uh, in Edinburgh, Texas. 
Yeah, and honestly, I, I, I couldn't agree more with both of you because looking at the series, like you said, getting outscored a lot throughout the series and possibly uh, giving Coastal Carolina a chance. But the, I mean, they came out and they played obviously one of the you know one of the top teams in the Sun Belt Conference currently. And so the Bobcats moved to 16 and eight on the season, but they still have another chance to rebound as they will take on the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley coming this Wednesday. They will be um, they unfortunately we won't be in. Uh, Rio Grande Valley they will be uh, we will be here covering softball which we'll get into in just a minute so but they'll play tomorrow so I mean if you're coach Mike Trout I bet you're telling your guys hey we got to rebound after a tough tough series tough series conference series loss and now we have another midweek game so I bet he's telling his guys you know we just got to rebound and you know just play our our brand of game yeah I'm sure another thing that he's saying is this is probably the hardest um mid-major conference in the nation you got teams like southern miss coastal carolina who were world series uh, college world series champions years ago and then you got arkansas state coming up i mean none of these series are going to be easy so you have to go into every weekend knowing it's going to be a challenge because if not i mean it's it's going to be a really rocky road throughout the year but as kobe mentioned um ut UT Rio Grande Valley, you have a chance to rebound there, and then you're back home at Bobcat Ballpark, and you got the fans behind you, so maybe that will give them a little bit of a boost this weekend. I mean, and it, yeah, I agree, and it, it's very good that they ended the series with a win because they can use that to build off of and then just kind of gain some momentum going into that game against Rio Grande Valley because, like we've been saying, they just need to use that to bounce back because – I mean, once they get back to Bobcat, once they get back to Bobcat Ballpark, like you said, Joey, once they have the the fans behind them, I know they'll be able to get back to what they've been doing all season. So Texas State baseball will be playing their next game against UT Rio Grande Valley. It'll be at six thirty p.m. This coming to, uh, as of this recording, it'll be tomorrow at six thirty p.m. But now we're going to transition into Texas State softball as they had another conference series this past weekend it was against the South Alabama Jaguars who were currently who is currently sitting third in the Sunbelt Conference right now and the Bobcats unfortunately came up short losing losing the series with one to two they won the Saturday game and lost the Friday game I know me and you Joey were on the call for for pretty much every game on on the weekend so but I mean starting from the first game that me and you called it was a pitching duel between Jessica Mullins and Olivia Lackey I mean both of those both of those pitchers were pitching the lights out and us and, you know and you know what's crazy is Jessica Mullins had a no hitter going and unfortunately got it got broken up and obviously it led to the Jaguars taking the lead off of uh Victoria Ortiz's two-run home run and you know just going off going off of that I mean it was an impressive performance but then you know coming back and winning the Saturday game I called that one and then obviously you called the the Sunday one where they lost seven to nothing I mean this Bobcat team had had so much depth but sometimes they can just sometimes they can kind of let lead slip and sometimes they just they can always excuse me they can always try to play their brand of softball but unfortunately it just gets cut short yeah I mean it's just inconsistency right now you look at Friday Saturday Sunday all three games were completely different Kobe you and I were on the call for Friday you talk about Jessica Mullins was lights out and she gave up two hits all game long and those are the two runs that South Alabama had it's fr- it's frustrating for Mullins but I mean that's the way that softball works you just get the bat on the ball twice and you can end up winning a ball game Saturday. It was the Texas state softball team that we're used to seeing. They put up those six runs. It looked dominant. And then the defense on Sunday really struggled. I believe it was 
four errors, I think, is what they had in total. No, yeah. six errors in total. I mean, the defense really struggled on Sunday. Only two hits. Olivia Lackey did pitch in that game, so it was tough to get the bat on the ball. But, I mean, I think it's just inconsistency right now. This this team, they come in one day and they play really good. The next day, they don't. So, I think if they could get that back under control, uh, I think they could go back to that top 25 team that they were at one point this year. Definitely, and I, I can say that I, I'm actually very surprised that this this series kind of went this way because they've been at like a inconsistency is a, a good, a very good word to use. But at the very beginning of the season, they were consistently inconsistent. If that makes sense, they were, they would drop a game. They would lose one game and then win like the next two or three drop a game, win the next two or three drop. A game. And so like they were doing that all season. And then I don't know, after that Bevo classic, uh, they've just been kind of, They've been kind of struggling to get to find those rallies and to get the bounce back that they've been having all year, because I mean, like uh, we were talked about it earlier, or when the games kind of happened that in that Bevo Classic they they beat the best two teams, but then lost the rest of the games, and then ever since then they lost back to back games to to Tech, um, only was able to get a tie in that Troy series. And then finally against that UTSA team, I thought they were they finally found their groove and they were going to be able to bounce back because I mean they com- completely demolished that team, and but and then right after that I thought wow there here we go South Alabama is where they're going to find their groove find their get back in their their consistent ways but I mean they just weren't really able to do that they were the game they won was just like they were able to dominate and then. I don't know that the last game they were completely shut out. So the the Bobcats they just they they need to find a way to keep keep up doing what they've been doing. Jessica Jessica Mullins has been strong on that mound, and but like you said, Joey, two run two hits two hits on the bell is all you kind of need sometimes in softball. So just kind of completely just finishing out strong and completely just dominating all the way through is sometimes what you're going to need to do. I will say it kind of reminds me of last year. We talk about the inconsistency. It's been a word we're saying a lot of for this team right now. But if you look back at last year, it was kind of the same way. They struggled until about probably about this part of the year. And then the later part of the year, I think they won 18 in their final 21 games. They found themselves in the Sunbelt Conference Championship. So Coach Ricky Woodard, she knows what she's doing with this softball team and I'm sure that once this team can get into a groove I think this is a team that could be very dangerous I mean clearly we see it's top this is a top 25 team they can play that high level softball it's just can they get back to consistently seeing it and that's what we saw from this team last year yeah, absolutely. And you make a great point because, you know, we did talk about how last year they were just struggling up and down last year. And then all of a sudden they just started winning and winning and having an incredible winning streak that unfortunately, you know, that led them to a conference championship. But I mean, if I think that may be the sign coming this coming season, but I think Coach Ricky Witter wants to go ahead and just start winning now so that way they can prevent that like how they did last year. But they'll have another chance for victory against the Baylor Bears coming this Wednesday. I'll be on the call for that one. So it'll be Baylor versus Texas State here in San Marcos, Texas at 6 p.m. on Wednesday. But we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be digging into some March Madness as we have our final four set and some breaking news from out of the NFL. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. 
Welcome back to Bobcat Radio here on this wonderful Wednesday morning. Now we're going to go ahead and dig into some March Madness talk as we have our final four set for the NCAA national title game, which will be held in Houston, Texas at NRG Stadium. So let's go ahead and dig right into this. We're going to start off with the Elite Eight as the number five Miami took on number two University of Texas. And let me just say, Texas probably had... I wouldn't say a choke job per se, but I will say that giving up a 12 point lead to Miami is, is something that I think will be well known and well remembered for this UT team. But I mean, the Miami, Miami Hurricanes have been balling really both the men and women teams because, you know, Miami stunned a lot of people this past uh, this past tournament. So I kind of want to hear your guys thoughts. Yeah, I mean, you talk about UT's performance, but I want to focus more on Miami. 59% from the field. I mean, it is tough to beat a team that shoots that well from from anywhere, whether it's from the three-point line, the free-throw line. I mean, their free-throw shooting was 87%. I mean, this is a team who controlled things on their side of things. And, and if you're the University of Texas, I would I'd be happy with how far they made it. I mean, they have an interim coach right now after what happened with Chris Beard. And yeah, hopefully you can see that UT can can put things together down the road. And this can be kind of a consistent outing for them going into future March Madness events. Yeah, this Miami team has definitely surprised a lot of people, me especially, because it's knocked out both teams. That Houston was the team that I thought was going to make it all the way to the championship and win and then once they knocked once they were knocked out by Miami I thought Texas was going to go all the way and win and so Miami is taking care of both of those and like you said Joey they dominated kind of on the free throw line especially and once you once you get down the easiest way to like cut into a lead is getting points on the board while the clock isn't running taking your time knocking down your free throws that's the easiest way to come back in the game when you're down and that's exactly what Miami did and they've they have a really if they can continue that they have a really strong chance to to win but i mean it's honestly like anybody's game right now there's mm-hmm. it's this is kind of like the most open because yukon is a team that's normally in the um final four and like normally wins championships but this isn't the same like yukon team they they're i mean joey has them as he has them going <laughs> that's all the right way. but i mean this is it's everyone like this is very it's, it's open it's anybody's game and it's going to be a very interesting final four yeah and that actually leads into my next game that is yukon versus uh excuse me sorry i'm messing up yukon versus gonzaga yukon absolutely obliterated gonzaga in that game it was a one-sided affair i mean we talked about Gonzaga, how they're always the top dog in the NCAA tournament. But, I mean, they they let UConn just just control the pace, control their game. And UConn, unfortunately, you know, unfortunately came up with the win. So they'll be in the final four. I mean, Joey, your pick still stands for the UConn Huskies to win it all still. Yeah, my my pick stands true. I picked UConn to go all the way to the national championship game. And, I mean, it's just because... They're, the way their defense is, they've played such dominating games. You look at their first game, 63-51, uh, second round, 70-55, 88-65, to 82-54. I talked about an earlier Bobcat, Bobcat radio, I think this was two weeks ago, how I picked defense to win the championships, and it's exactly true. Uh, Gonzaga shot 33% from the field. It's really difficult to win games like that. Drew Timmy got in foul trouble. I mean, UConn 
controlled the best guy on the Gonzaga side of things and ultimately was able to put this game away. And I sh- I'll be interested to see how UConn does. They're, they were the only team in the Elite Eight to have won a national championship before. So if you're looking at a team that's most experienced, it's UConn going into the Final Four. I agree. And uh, I mean, I also want to give a shout out to a team that played really well and played with a lot of heart, Kansas State. The Kansas 100%. State Wildcats played amazing. And I just specifically want to give a shout out to Marquise Noel because that man, I mean, he was out there. He, they, the dog in, was in him out there. He yeah, like, absolutely. He was out there lighting it up. Just if you just look at his stats in the last three games, he had twenty-seven points, nine assists in one game, twenty points, nineteen assists in one game, and then in his final game in the Elite Eight, had thirty points and twelve assists in the three-point loss to FAU. So, and guys, I just want to point out this. This this is a five foot eight player right now. This is not a guy who's he's a lot shorter than everybody else out there on the court, and he's still getting it done. He's still finding a way to put his team in position to win. And I mean, they all they honestly had a chance up into the elite eight. They lost by three points. So, I mean, congratulations to FAU for advancing, obviously, but definitely want to give that team and Marquise Noel a shout out because I mean they played great. Which leads actually to my next segment, Orlando. <laughs> so. On the other side of the Final Four, it is San Diego State versus FAU. I know, Orlando, you just alluded to FAU, but San Diego State is still in the mix for the national title game as they have shocked a lot of people, especially in the Elite Eight round, or excuse me, in the Sweet 16 against number one Alabama, who probably had a lot of people winning winning this national title game. But San Diego State, what's crazy about all this, these are like lower-ranked teams, so there's no number ones, no number twos. Uh, no number threes left in the college uh, in this in this tournament, so it's kind of lower seeds. But I want to kind of hear y'all's maybe. I guess you could say a little bit of prediction here, as you know, as the final four is coming up this week uh, later on this Friday. So who kind of who wins this one? It's San Diego State, FAU, and Miami and UConn. <laughs> Man, it's going to be interesting. I talked about UConn being that only team with a national championship. They're the highest remaining seed at four. And I mean, this is what the transfer portal has done. It's spread the wealth throughout college basketball. It's given it's given every team now a possibility to make these deep runs. And honestly, FEU kind of reminds me of like a Loyola Chicago a couple years ago. And I would I'm rooting for them. I always love underdog stories. So I would like to see them in a championship game. But San Diego State is a team who um, throughout the years has been able to make deep uh, March Madness runs. So I think they they have the better shot against FAU. So I got SDSU and then I got UConn because, you know, defense with championships. My prediction, I think that FAU will get all the way to the final uh, championship against UConn and that FAU will get it done and win the whole thing. I think (sighs) that. I mean, like you said, an underdog story. These guys have been, like, no one is, expected them to make it this far. So why would they stop now? I think they're just going to – I think they're going to rally around their, their guys that they've been playing around because if you look at their team, their team is really, like, even. They have – their leading scorer only averages 13 points. The next leading scorer is 13. And then from there down, it's like they have, like, six or seven guys averaging everywhere between 10 to – 10 to 5 points. So they have a completely spread around team and their offense is 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 it's complete enough I think to get it done. Well, Joe, you're probably going to hate me this for this, but I'm going <laughs> to say it's going to be a 5 versus 5 matchup. I'm going to go San Diego State 
and Miami. I really think Miami is a real strong contender. And like I alluded to earlier, both the men's team and the women's team is doing phenomenal. Unfortunately, the women's team got eliminated this past weekend, unfortunately, by LS by LSU. And uh, you know, Miami, this Miami men's team is still in it and actually really, really far in this tournament. So I'm gonna go five versus five, San Diego State versus Miami to be in the national title game. But you can catch the final four this coming Friday on April 1st. It'll be play first game will be San Diego State versus FAU at 5.09 p.m. So that's central time, and then at, right after that, 7.49 Central Time on CBS. But now we're going to take it into the NFL free agency. We had some breaking news coming out this morning from Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson as he is requesting a trade. So apparently there was some conflict issues with him being franchise tag and him not getting the money. So Lamar Jackson is wants to wants to be traded. So I kind of want to hear your thoughts, you know, about this and you know possibly where he could land. It's going to be pretty interesting to see what happens. Coach John Harbaugh still believes that the Ravens will keep him. That's what he said this morning in a quote. He said, uh, "I still remain optimistic that we're going to keep Lamar Jackson," which is interesting. It even says in this article on the NFL website that John Harbaugh hasn't talked to Lamar Jackson lately. So I, I wonder to myself, how are you going to keep your quarterback if you haven't even talked to him in the last couple of weeks? But I think, um, I mean, Lamar Jackson's an explosive quarterback and I think he deserves, deserves his money. Now a being one of the top paid quarterbacks, I wouldn't agree with that just because of his injury issues that he's had past That's one, huge. two years. Yeah. yeah. I think that, I mean, I, I, under, I don't understand why the – I mean, it, depending on – we don't know what his asking price is, but I just think that Lamar Jackson is a quarterback that can get it done. He's a former MVP, and, I mean, I think – I just – I honestly don't know if they will get it done just because you said – like you did say John Harbaugh said that he thinks that something can get done, but I'm looking at Lamar Jackson's Twitter, and he just – he says, and I quote that, um, he's requested a trade from the Ravens organization for which the Ravens have not been interested in meeting my value. And so, I mean, I don't know what the, we don't, like I said, we don't know what that number is to him, what his, but what he values himself as, but as a former MVP, as a franchise quarterback, you kind of have to, that's just kind of how the market goes as a, somebody who, as a Cowboys fan who knows what it feels <laughs> like to pay your quarterback, whether, whether everyone thinks he deserves it or not. I mean, it's either that or you you go to the quarterbacks that we had in between Troy Aikman and Tony Romo. Like you, people don't even know who those guys are. I know who they are because I'm a cop, but like the, I know them yeah, too. Yeah, Benny Testaverde, freaking Quincy Carter. Like they're guys oh like God. some bad guys in between there. So it's just like you either pay your guy or you Ooh. lose him. And so I mean, and that's where they kind of are right now. I don't know if they can get it done at this point. He feels very undervalued, and that's just not. It doesn't sound like he's ready to he's willing to keep trying to work on something. You know, it's it's crazy because, you know, the fact that, you know, this is all happening now and stuff, because, you know, obviously free agency has just been wild this past this past offseason with all the you know quarterbacks that have left and all the players that, you know, have been signed. You know, I think probably Lamar Jackson, probably the biggest, biggest one this season so far. I mean, I know we you know kind of talked about Derek Carr a little bit. Uh, this past uh, this past offseason, also Jimmy Garoppolo also signing with the Raiders, but I think Lamar would shock a lot of people if he does leave Baltimore because 
I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Lamar Jackson is is one of the best one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL currently. It sucks the fact that he has gotten hurt a lot of the a lot of his years instead of being in the NFL so far. You know, and like you said, former you know MVP as well of the league. You know, he took the lead by storm, but with just his running ability and his throwing ability. But honestly, to me, I think Lamar can have a fair chance at an NFL team. But which team, though, I have no clue because I'm not gonna lie to you. A lot of teams need a quarterback currently right now. But I don't. I mean, it's it's honestly it's up to him. I got a question. Who do you guys think gets traded first, Lamar Jackson or Aaron Rodgers? Ooh, uh, I mean. I think it's already in the works for Aaron Rodgers anyway, because I've seen, you know, many videos of him saying goodbye to Green Bay and, you know, how much he'll miss him. I know, you know, the Pat McAfee show he was on, he said, you know, his his farewell there as well. So, I mean, I don't know. That's that's complicated. That's kind of complicated because I think the Jets are still trying to figure out what they can trade to Green Bay for him. But it's just I don't know. It's just a lot of missing a lot of pieces that the Jets have to go through in order to get Aaron Rodgers. But I think, I to me, I think Aaron Rodgers will be traded first. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you got to think that the Packers are starting to get tired of all the stuff that Aaron Rodgers is doing. And I mean, they they kind of started the drama when they drafted Jordan Love. So it's like they already have a quarterback, and he's a young guy. Aaron Rodgers is already getting. He's at forty, right? Yeah, so his forties. Yeah. Yeah. So I couldn't imagine the Packers asking for a ton I think they'll ask for a good amount for Aaron Rodgers but I mean they already have a quarterback the Jets don't get me started on their quarterback situation <laughs> but um yeah I think Aaron Rodgers goes first I mean there's been way too much drama around this franchise for past couple years about him staying leaving so yeah I think Aaron Rodgers goes first and I don't think that the Packers will ask for too much for him yeah I agree and I mean he's like you said, he's aging. I mean, I just looked it up. He turns 40 this year in December. So he's a 40-year-old quarterback. There's only been one of those to ever um, actually do get something done. And Aaron Rodgers isn't that good. We've he's shown it. <laughs> he's not. Tom Brady has clearly been better than Aaron Rodgers their whole careers. I mean, it's actually been a really long time before since Aaron. I mean, he's been a good quarterback, obviously. But he's won one Super Bowl, if you think about that. And that happened... I think at this point, 10 years ago, it was in 2013. 2013? So, yeah. So, yeah, so that was a decade ago. So it's been a decade since he's won a Super Bowl. Oh, wait, you, you said a Super Bowl? Yeah. Oh, 20, uh, 2010. Oh, even, even <laughs> longer, almost even 15 longer. years ago. So, like, it's it's been a really long time. So I don't know. At the, uh, that's might be why the Packers drafted Jordan Love while they're looking to get, like, move on from him because it's just like how much – actual value does he actually bring to the team and for the jets it's it's, it's they're they're thinking the same thing it's like yeah we have a real a huge problem at quarterback because that's actually like they have a very good team around zach wilson oh, but yeah. it's that zach wilson is zach wilson is a huge problem right now just in his play and just his his off the, his on the field like accountability there's just been there's been problems in that locker room they they were rooting for Mike White to be their starter, or, or at least that's what it kind of, it looked like from the outside looking in. But I mean, so for the Jets are looking at it like, dang, we really do need a quarterback. But how much do we really want to give up for a guy who's turning forty this year? So I do think Aaron Rodgers will be traded first, but the Packers they probably won't. I don't know who it's it's really who's gonna who's really gonna get the short end of the stick here on that trade and because somebody's got it's gonna be hard for 
to be that even with that kind of a player. The one thing I will say about Aaron Rodgers, first of all, a phenomenal quarterback, one of one of the best quarterbacks in the league, at least in our generation, to say the least. I know, you know, we talk about Tom Brady. The difference between Tom Tom being or Tom going to Buccaneers and you know Aaron Rodgers trying to go to the Jets is that you know Tom going to the Bucks. Really, the Bucks were already a Super Bowl contender already because of all the free agency moves they had to make. You know, with signing Fournette, signing Giovanni Bernard, and then signing Antonio Brown and signing Gronk as well. So. I think the Buccaneers already had a team ready to win a Super Bowl. They just needed the one missing piece, and that was obviously Tom Brady. So I think Aaron Rodgers now at this point has become one of those quarterbacks that is, that if you have a team that is ready to Super Bowl, you find a longtime veteran quarterback who's been in that position and who's been in the playoffs you know, numerous, numerous times. I know, you know Aaron Rodgers has. But, I mean, if you look at – just his track record in Green Bay, making the he's made the playoffs for the most part every year that he's that he's been in the league. The only time he hasn't made it was when he was injured. But I mean, his track record has been amazing, you know, for him being a Green Bay quarterback. But his postseason hasn't been the really best. And you know, you know like I said before, the, the only one Super Bowl that he's you know recorded on his career. But I mean, his his track record in the playoffs hasn't really been the best. So I think if you're the Jets, you're looking at that first. But at the same time, you're thinking just because of our quarterback situation that we have right now with Zach Wilson and Mike White, I think you really want a true longtime veteran, a true veteran quarterback who has done it, but at the same time has great leadership for the young players and the young talent that the Jets have. So, but that, that, I think that kind of tells the story. And then Lamar, obviously, I think Lamar is a great leader and it, it honestly, it shows it for this Baltimore team. I just, it, it's just crazy to me how the, you know, the, the Ravens or that he wants to request a trade because honestly you know being in Baltimore has extended his career has been there since you know he got drafted there but I mean honestly I think the way he you know the way he plays on on offense kind of really has an effect on certain coaches because certain coaches don't like that you know quote-unquote running quarterback type of type of deal so but I mean this is going to be a interesting week let's see if we could possibly hear something from either either Aaron Rodgers, you know, news out of Aaron Rodgers or news out of Lamar Jackson this coming year. So it's going to be interesting. But before we get out of here, let's go ahead and throw it to Orlando for our weather report. All right. It is currently 67 degrees here in San Marcos and partly cloudy. And you can expect a high of 79 and a low of 58. And for the rest of the week, it's looking like it'll be dry for today and tomorrow. But Starting Wednesday, it's looking like it'll be raining for every day until next Wednesday. Looking Ooh. like 40s, 30, 50, and 60% chances of rain all throughout the week. So try to enjoy these last couple days of being dry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining us here on this Wednesday edition of Bobcat Radio. If you like this episode, be sure to check on Spotify. Also, follow us on KTSW Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. For my producer, Orlando Smart, and for my co-host, Julian Gonzalez, I'm Kobe Jackson, wishing you all a very happy Monday. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the school day. And now, let's get you back to the other side of radio.